the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Minneapolis, fueled by Lucky Station. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Another weekend of support for the so-called Yellow Vest movement in Paris. French security forces firing tear gas and uh, gas and flash bang grenades at the protesters today in central Paris. In Washington, the partial shutdown is now into a third week. As for the president's claim, it could go on for months or even years? I'm not quite sure how it could go on for, for months or years. There are a lot of essential services that are being performed, but there are a lot of other ones that we don't normally think about that are probably going to, to come to a head at some point. That's University of Buffalo political science professor Jacob Neheisel. No need, though, for a long shutdown, according to President Trump. This can happen by early next week. We're going to be working over the weekend. We can have a solution to this. But the leading Democrats, including House Speaker Pelosi, still refusing to budge an inch on the president's demand for border wall funding. This is SRN News. This is Dennis Prager. I want to invite you to join me for a travel opportunity that may be the highlight of your year, maybe even one of the highlights of your life. I'm headed back to Israel in December 2019 for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour, a tour of the key sites and places meant to give you an unprecedented view of a world you've likely only read or heard about. Join Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher on the Stand with Israel tour, December 2nd to the 11th. Register at am1280thepatriot.com. AM 1280 The Patriot Intelligent Radio Just past 1 o'clock and unfortunately Mitch Berg is out on assignment But have no fear, the closer is here That's right, Brad Carlson's filling in today So expect an excellent show coming up But first, here's an update to look at your weather Beautiful day, mostly sunny and a high of 40 Tonight, hardly cloudy and a low of 23 Lean into Sunday, mostly cloudy and a high of 34 Brad Carlson coming up next The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-minus three, two, one. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, there we go. Now I can hear myself. And no, you are not in a time warp. It is not. Sunday afternoon. It is indeed Saturday afternoon. It is me, Brad Carlson, filling in for my friend and valued colleague, Mitch Bird, who is out on assignment today. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls. That number is 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions regarding today's show content, and as always, we appreciate you tuning in on uh, what is a unseasonably warm Saturday afternoon here in early January, the first Saturday of the new year. We hope you folks had a very happy and safe and blessed New Year's Day and uh, 360 more days to go this year. So uh, it's going to be quite a year, as it always is on the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and in a couple of months we'll be celebrating 15 years on the air as the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I've been on for half of that, about seven and a half years I've had my own show, but Blessed to be a part of this uh, cavalcade of stars here on the radio. Uh, I, I kind of, I often kind of describe myself as kind of, if if you recall the famous appearance uh, on the Johnny Carson show, Tonight Show, back in the 1970s, where Johnny Carson had on the couch uh, Dean Martin and Bob Hope, these just legend of legends. And, of course, Johnny Carson already was a legend himself, and George Goebel was in the main guest chair. He's kind of this short, uh, butch haircut comedian. 
And he kind of looked at Dean Martin and Bob Hope and looked at Johnny Carson and kind of looked ahead in the camera. And he says, did you ever feel like the world was a black tuxedo and you're a pair of brown shoes? And that's kind of how I feel, uh, you know, given the fact that King Banyan and Mitch Berg have been here since day one and have carved out a nice little niche, nice little sandbox, if you will, here at Salem Media Group Twin Cities. I'm just glad to be a part of it. That's all I can say. So, yeah, I may feel like a brown pair of brown shoes, but they, uh, they are spit shine brown shoes, I guess you could say. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, glad to be with you. And uh, I, I just hope the weather is close to this nice in four weeks from today for our annual outdoor broadcast at Medicine Lake. Yeah, I'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the broadcast. But first things first, want to get to some of the newsworthy items from this past week. And at one fifteen, we're going to have on uh, political wonk Matt McCoviak. Matt's been a regular guest on my show on Sundays. And those of you in Mitch's audience may not have had the opportunity to hear Matt before. Matt is a uh, GOP political strategist and always has his finger on the pulse and the goings-on in national politics. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. Well, stay tuned for the whole two hours, let's be honest. It's going to be uh, a lot to get to. But I want to start off with, of course, this past week, the 116th Congress was officially sworn in in Washington, D.C., which means the Democrats are officially the majority party in the U.S. House, with the Republicans still maintaining a majority in the U.S. Senate. And the one thing that was talked about, particularly after last November's election, was the fact that it seems as though the Republican Party is going backwards in terms of female representation within its party, that they were having uh, issues with uh, with women candidates, whether it's not enough women candidates or uh, not enough uh, women are Republicans, whatever the case. And of course, there are a lot of factors to that, and I have my own insights on that, but uh, first off, I want to read a story from uh, National Public Radio's website, npr.org, uh, and it's an article entitled, The New Congress Has a Record Number of Women, But Very Few Republican Women. Uh, Ashley Nicholas is a busy woman. She's working towards her master's degree. She has four living children. She specified that a fifth died after a preterm birth. And when I caught her, she was in St. Louis doing simulator training for her role as a pilot in the Air National Guard. You know, you can only be busy 100% of the time, she laughed. You get enough sleep when you're dead. On top of all that, she also ran for Congress in Tennessee last year but lost in the primary. She knows any number of factors played into her defeat. For example, she was deployed for a part of the campaign. But Nicholas also thinks the GOP needs to do more to get women like her elected. With only, what, 13 seats now in the House of Representatives as Republican women? That is not at all indicative of who the Republican Party is, she said. Uh, To be clear, women are underrepresented on both sides of the aisle in Congress. Just under one in four members will be women next session. But less than one in ten Republican members will be women. And their numbers will decline this year, both at the national and state level in Congress. There will be... 20 GOP women down from 29, and in the state legislatures, there will be 660 Republican women down from 705 previous session. That has people like Nicholas worried that the party could alienate voters and do a less effective job of governing. Now, I've said on this show many times, and it bears repeating, my criteria for a candidate is obviously, because I'm a conservative, uh, my criteria for candidate, if a candidate is all in on reducing governmental regulations, lower taxes, cutting spending, you know, commitment to, to pro-life issues, and Second Amendment issues have become a big thing for me over the past couple of years. I mean, you can't help but be around a guy like Mitch Berg and not have that rub off on you, right? So that's the criteria I have in a candidate. It doesn't concern me the the gender of the candidate. If, if if a particular candidate whom I have an opportunity to vote for has many of those issues checked off, then it meets my criteria. I'm not really concerned, again, in the gender. But that's not indicative, uh, 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 that's not necessarily a broad-based perspective of Republican voters. There are enough Republican voters who say, you know what, we need, we definitely need more women in power because... Let's be honest, half the population in this country is women. And so we need to obviously have a do a better job of recruiting women candidates. And, you know, I, I'm a big supporter of a local organization called 
uh, Minnesotans for Excellence in Public Service, or MEPS, which is an organization that uh, uh, teaches conservative women how to uh, get acclimated in the political arena, whether it's working on campaigns behind the scenes, getting well-versed in issues, uh, running a campaign, what have you. My wife was a graduate of that organization five years ago and has been a campaign manager herself for one of the local state senators here. And I know a a significant number of women who have gone through that program and have gone on to have very successful electoral careers or have chosen to be behind the scenes and work on campaigns or be fundraisers or or, or whatever the case. But here's – and by the way, before I kind of get to some of my main points, here is – they talked about how in state legislatures there will be – there were 600 – there are going to be 660 Republican women. That's down from seven and 705, okay, all across the state legislatures. Well, here in Minnesota, we really felt that because I, I, I did some research. We lost eight incumbent Republican women uh, last election. And that doesn't even include, you know, uh, House District 38B. I'm talking about the, the House now because obviously the Senate wasn't up for election. But in the House... Uh, in District 38B, which was represented by Matt Dean, uh, Patty Anderson, she was a Republican candidate, and she ended up losing that particular race. So, but I'm focusing on specifically eight women who were incumbent House members that ended up losing in 2018. So it wasn't so much the gender as much as it was the party they were involved with. And unfortunately, people, women who are Republicans they get chided as being a party of Trump in that they are uh, not representing their their gender correctly because they're in a party they're in the party of Trump basically. And my point is is to say this: look how conservative women are treated by leftist outlets like the mainstream media or uh, progressive uh, political action groups. I mean, they're, they're basically called traitors to their gender. Because they support Republican policies, and and the Republican policies are caricatured to say that they want to uh, take away a woman's r- r- right for for health care, and that's a euphemism for abortion. I, I've always thought that was kind of creepy to call abortion health care, but that's how they spin it. Say, well, they're trying to take away a woman's right to health care. They're trying to take away a woman's right to birth control, and it's all nonsense, okay? Because what really rankles these leftists is you conservative women, they don't vote, let's be blunt, with their lady parts. They vote based on issues that are going to best impact their families. Or I've said it many times before, in this country there's a larger percentage of female entrepreneurs than there have been in history. And so naturally they're going to look at it from a standpoint, well, which candidates, which political party is going to best help me in my business so I'm not getting crushed by insufferable regulations or getting killed by health care costs because I want to be able to provide my employees with with affordable uh, with affordable health care and not have to rely on the government to do it and uh, and so and that the corporate tax and that uh, taxes and regulations are are not so insufferable okay typically Republican policies are more favorable to the business climate and again with a larger percentage of entrepreneurs being female than at any point in history, that's obviously going to be a, a, a main uh, talking point for them because they're concerned about their livelihood, not only providing for their employees, but this is their livelihood, so they're concerned about their families as well. Okay? And yet, they're called traitors to their gender. Same with minority conservatives. You know, especially black conservatives. I mean, Uncle Tom's probably one of the nicest things they're called by some of these progressives because they're saying they're they're abandoning their race or they're undermining their race because they, they vote Republican. My point in saying all of this is that, yeah, there may be a dearth of female Republican candidates, but it's not because Republicans are a white, middle-aged, uh, misogynistic party, white male party. I mean, yeah, unfortunately... The women are underrepresented in electoral politics right now, and that's a shame. And it shouldn't be that way. And it needs to it needs to improve, and it will improve as long as I have an opportunity to to promote an organization locally like Maps. I'm going to do it. 
Okay? But when seeing how female candidates are treated and talked about on the trail for being Republican, why would... How many females do you think consider running for office, but then they hear how some women are talked about when they run as a Republican, and they then they decide to take a step back, say, well, you know what, I'm not going to sub- subject myself to that. I mean, I could probably handle it, but what about my kids? What if my kids or my or my husband would hear something like that said about me? I don't want to subject my family to that. So they choose to serve their communities in other ways. May not necessarily be through electoral politics, but there are many ways you can can serve your community. You know, elected office is just one me- one method. So. How significant a factor is that? And here's the thing. You get all these leftists out there with their concern trolling. It's like, well, I was looking at that swearing-in ceremony for the new Congress, new legislature, whatever. Boy, awful lot of white guys in there. They do all this concern trolling, and they say what an outrage it is that the Republican Party is such a white, misogynistic party that enough, not enough women are getting elected. Okay? But then they turn around when women are running as Republicans, the awful things they say about them, including that they sell out their gender. And by the way, if you were so concerned about Republicans being well represented among fem- by female candidates, what about Mia Love, Congresswoman out of Utah? She was first elected in 2014, reelected in 2016, but then was defeated in 2018 by a white guy. Mia Love is a black Republican out of Utah, was defeated by a white Democrat guy. If you're so concerned about women in electoral politics, why didn't you help Mia Love? The answer to that, well, she didn't fit within our political ideology. Ideology. Bingo! That's what I'm saying. It comes down to ideology. Who best carries the message forward? So, again, this particular election cycle, you can't really look at because it was a it was a repudiation of Donald Trump. It, pretty much anybody with an R next to their name, okay, faced extra scrutiny and were sent packing. Like I say, there were eight incumbent Republicans alone, women Republicans in the Minnesota House that were defeated. And most in first-ring suburbs. Why? Because it was a repudiation of Donald Trump. It had nothing to do uh, with their gender. Of course, again, that's not to say Republicans don't have a lot of work to do. They absolutely do, and we will definitely continue to do it. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NARNShow. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Last year on June 11th, over 200,000 homes in Minnesota were affected by storm, wind, and hail damage. Unfortunately, insurance companies only give homeowners limited time to file claims to complete work, replace or repair damaged siding and roofing. If you have not filed a claim yet, or maybe you were denied by your insurance company and feel like you have legitimate damage to your property from last year's storm, call Storm Group Roofing and Siding, stormgrouproofing.com. If you don't file a claim this year, you'll soon be paying out of pocket. Storm Group Roofing is a local company based in Minneapolis. They're a trusted contractor that works with all insurance companies. Storm Group Roofing maintains an A-plus rating with the BBB with no complaints in the last five years. They've helped thousands of Minnesota homeowners just like you get their roof repair approved by their insurance company. Don't wait. Contact them online at stormgrouproofing.com. Stormgroupwilfing.com Who else would you call? Stormgroupwilfing.com Live under our roof. Hey, could you help me find this file? Oh, yeah, that computer crashed yesterday. It's on the cloud, though. I thought we stopped backing stuff up there. Right, but I think it does it automatically. Oh. It says the server is offline. (laughs) Great. Accounts payable, confidential HR files, important spreadsheets and documents. We all have them. But is that data backed up, encrypted, and protected? Don't assume it is. Know it is. Join us Thursday, January 31st for Prepare and Respond, an event that will get you up to speed on cybersecurity, personal protection, and securing your workplace. Prepare and Respond is free for educators, church leaders, and small business owners. Complimentary breakfast will be served. Make a small investment of your time now to ensure you're not scrambling later. Visit am1280thepatriot.com to register and see our panel of experts.
So you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss. You've seen ads from the national chains. You've researched the alternative products that cost a fortune, but there seem to be no guarantees. So here's good news for you. This is Dennis Prager. Go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what their hair transplant specialists are doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free. Their doctors have given patients in Hollywood and worldwide a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. You'll see a more confident reflection of yourself. In fact, they guarantee your results in writing, and their prices are some of the best in the business, as low as $3 per graft. So stop searching and go to INeedMoreHair.com. You have nothing to lose. Call their office in Egan for your free consultation. I need morehair.com. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Get the permanent solution to your hair loss at I need morehair.com. Welcome back, AM twelve eighty Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Call you up. It is me, Brad Carlson, filling in for my friend and valued colleague Mitch Berg, who is out on assignment today. But fear not, Mitch will be in for me tomorrow from 1 to 3 p.m. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NARNShow, for any comments or questions regarding today's show content. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, as always... We like uh, when our friend and political wonk of my program on Sundays, uh, Matt Makoviak, checks in. Matt has his finger on the pulse of uh, everything that's going on in national politics. Obviously, the 116th Congress, as I alluded to, is uh, sworn in this past week, and the partial government shutdown rolls on. So we'll talk to Matt about some of those issues as well. And be sure to check out his fine website as well, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. That's MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com podcast.com where you can find his latest podcasts. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to Steve Forbes, by the way. Steve Forbes is a guy I uh, was hoping would get more traction in the 2000 presidential race. Of course, uh, President George W. Bush uh, eventually emerged from that uh, field. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, some of the issues from this past week on national politics with our aforementioned friend of the broadcast, Matt McCoviak. Matt, good to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Brad, great to be with you. I'm at, I wanted to get to, before we talk a little bit about uh, the partial government shutdown, uh, one of the things uh, that kind of got the uh, 116th Congress uh, kind of kicked off was a scathing op-ed on New Year's Day in the Washington Post from incoming Utah Senator Mitt Romney. Uh, Mitt Romney's never been made it a secret that he did not support uh, Donald Trump for president in 2016 and was very critical of President Trump's leadership and uh, how he's not bringing unity within the country. And one of the things in reading that op-ed, Matt, is, uh, you know, I solely wish that Mitt Romney would have been elected in 2012. And then this is just my personal opinion. We would have been spared Trump in 2016. And in reading the op-ed, I agree with a lot of his assessment that he has levied toward President Trump. I guess my question, Matt McCoviak, and I'd like to hear your opinion, is what's the purpose of what's the purpose of writing this just as the new Congress is about to be sworn in? This doesn't exactly get it off to a rousing start. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I don't understand the purpose of it. I understand the strategy of it. Um, like you, I, mean, I have concerns about character and honesty from the president from time to time, certainly. Uh, very much like that most of the things he's doing. Um, but, but yeah, as a new senator, um, you know, it's not a way to ingratiate yourself and, and, and you know, begin a relationship. Uh, he's going to need to work with the White House, and the White House is going to need to work with him and to start with such a standing out there. All that op-ed did was sort of comfort and credence and ammunition to the Democrats. Sure. Uh, and so you don't see Democrats criticizing themselves like this. I don't remember, you know, Democratic U.S. senators writing stating op-eds about Obama. No. Uh, it just doesn't happen on their side. And so <clears throat> I don't know what he was trying to do, if he's trying to position himself in case Trump's you know, doesn't run for election or were to, you know, serve his entire first term for some reason. I, you know, the painting of it made it really no sense to me uh, coming into a new Congress as an issue as senator. You know, one of the things they often say about senators is freshman senators should be, uh, you know, seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. That's gone, and that tradition has, has gone away a little bit. Uh, freshman senators are now, you know, more prominent maybe than they were five or ten years ago. But the, the idea there, having looked at the U.S. Senate, is, is that you have to kind of earn uh, 
you know, earn the ability to really weigh in at, at a major level on important issues. And, and you, you want to you know, get to know some of the senators personally and learn about the issues, learn about how Senate procedure works. I remember I was with Senator Ben Sass at Nebraska uh, a few weeks ago, and, and he said before he gave his first speech uh, on the Senate floor, he decided to personally interview uh, every individual senator on both sides of the aisle that he wanted to find out, you know, about their background, about what they thought worked in the Senate, what they thought didn't work. And he wanted to have all of that background before he gave his first floor speech. Now, Romney's not given a floor speech yet, but obviously doing national interviews and running this off there in the Washington Post uh, grabs a lot of attention. He's not the, the typical freshman senator as a former major party nominee for president, former governor. Clearly, he has a higher profile. But, yeah, I don't understand the strategy of it. I think all it's going to isolate him with the White House, and that's not where you want to be. Uh, when you have a president of your own party, right off the bat. So do you look at this as maybe just some high-profile venting? Okay, I've reiterated my position on Trump. Let's get back to work. Let's move forward. Or do you see Romney as kind of being someone in the motif of former senators, say Bob Corker or Jeff Flake, who are kind of that proverbial thorn in the president's side from his own party, Matt McGoviak? I think uh, I think Romney may end up sort of rhetorically independent, but on the, from a vote standpoint, I think he's going to be a lot more reliable than Jeff Flake or, or even Bob Corker had been. You know, when he was on CNN with Nick Tapper on Monday, um, he was asked about Flake's, whether he was going to kind of use uh, his leverage the way Flake has. And he, he, he actually, you know, pretty specifically said he didn't understand why, you, why as a Republican you would oppose, do anything to oppose confirming uh, conservative judges. Sure. So, good, you know, good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a ridiculous position Flake's taken. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I don't, look, I think to the extent we can understand why he did this at this time and this way, the only thing that makes sense is it may be that he feels like he's going to probably ultimately be voting with Trump's agenda quite a lot, quite a bit. Uh, and he wanted to, you know, make clear he's not a Trump Republican, uh, he's his own type of Republican. He's more of a Romney or Bush type Republican. And so by, you know, making some of that clear, uh, you know, right off the bat, may, he may feel like he's freer to do what he wants to do from a vote standpoint. Um, I, I just I just think to do this right off the bat, again, isolates him. You had, you had a number of Republican senators, you know, could criticize the op-ed, not, you know, agree with it. Uh, publicly, and that's just not where you want to be as a freshman. You right. want to go in with humility. Uh, do you want to build relationships? You know, if, if he does, does he not want anyone from Utah to be appointed to any office? Mm. If that's his goal, then the op-ed was, was strategically a, a, a brilliant step. I don't, I don't think that was the goal. Have a couple of segments remaining with our national political wonk, uh, Matt Makoviak. Uh, Matt, you kind of alluded to maybe he was trying to ingratiate himself to some elements on the left, and if so, um, he should have learned a lesson from other folks, particularly the late, great uh, Senator McCain, when that's all fine and good, but then uh, they they it's never enough for these people, particularly a lot of the people on the left you saw. It's like, well, if you're, uh, if you're so opposed to Trump, let's see how your votes turn out. And as you alluded to, he's probably going to vote a lot of what the, the president uh, desires uh, from a policy standpoint. So from, from looking at it at that perspective, it makes even less sense because it's never going to be good enough for those on the left unless you become, say, a hardcore, hardcore progressive yourself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's also described kind of the way he's going to approach things in a pretty standard way, and that is, you know, when he agrees with the president, he'll work with him and he'll support him. When he doesn't, he'll speak out. He's also said he's not going to be commenting on an hourly or daily basis. I hope that's true. I don't, uh, you know, we saw him chimed in several days last week in different ways with a press conference in the hallway in the Senate, uh, of, you know, an exclusive appearance on CNN and then his op-ed before that. So um, we'll see whether he's able to have the discipline to kind of stick to that. Right. Uh, look, as a senator, you're a national figure more than you are as a governor because you're weighing in on national issues. Sure. Whether he's going to have the discipline to kind of not swing every pitch, I think remains to be seen. Once again, we're joined by uh, Matt McCoviak. Uh, check out his fantastic work. You can check out his uh, podcast, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. That's M-A-C-K, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com. And it also links to his weekly articles from the Washington Times. Uh, Matt, we only have about a uh, 30 seconds or so to go in this segment. Are you able to hold for one more segment? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Again, we are joined by Matt Bukowiak, going to talk about some all-things politics. When we come back with Matt on the other side, I definitely want to uh, weigh in on uh, some of the things going on with the 116th Congress and uh, how there was this uh, supposed 
a big leftist coup to prevent Nancy Pelosi for, from becoming Speaker of the House. Well, spoiler alert, uh, she was elected Speaker of the House. And some of the crazy things that the Democrats have done right out of the chute, uh, they certainly aren't uh, being measured in their first week in Congress. That is for certain. And we're here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And again, we'll be back with another segment with our national political wonk, Matt Makowiak, in mere moments. Go nowhere. Me, Brad Carlson from Mitchburg. Hi, this is Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot. And I'd like to remind you to spend your money wisely and use our loyal marketing partners here at this great station. Many of our clients are local businesses who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities, and their success in business is our success. For a list of our loyal marketing partners, go to am1280thepatriot.com or call us at 651-405-8800. We thank you for listening and supporting our partners. Want to know why the market closed where it did today? Catch Josh Arnold's Closing Market Report every weekday afternoon at 353 on AM1280 The Patriot. Josh will give you instant analysis and insight on the day's events that impacted the market. It's straight talk and not sugar-coated advice. Listen each day at 3.53 p.m. to the Closing Market Report with Josh Arnold, investment consultant and registered investment advisor. More intelligent talk from AM 1280, The Patriot. This is David Davenport of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. Democrats are frustrated that they've lost the presidency and electoral college twice in the 21st century. But instead of amending the Constitution, they're going to courts and state legislatures. Four lawsuits claim that votes for the losing candidate in a winner-take-all electoral vote are not counted equally as required by the 14th Amendment. Of course, all the votes are counted at the state level, as the Constitution provides, so this should be a losing argument. But these days, who knows? At the same time, they seek to pass the National Popular Vote Bill in state legislatures, requiring electors to cast the votes for the winner not of their state vote, but of the national popular vote. If you want to change the constitutional requirement of electoral voting, it should be done by a proper amendment, not an end run or a legal power play. I'm David Davenport. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, preparing leaders for the public square. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-607-3551. That's 800-607-3551. 800-607-3551. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Welcome back, AM twelve eighty, the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson, filling in for my friend and colleague Mitch Berg on the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance. Mitch out on assignment, but will be in for me tomorrow from one to three. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org and here to take your phone calls at six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And we are continuing our discussion with our friend and national political wonk, Matt Makowiak. Again, check out his website, MacOnPoliticsPodcast.com, for all his fine work in the podcasting and column writing genre. Uh, Matt, we kind of alluded to uh, the last segment. Uh, now that the Democrats officially 
are the majority party in the U.S. House. It is once again back to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, so much for that coup to go for an alternative candidate uh, to Nancy Pelosi. And one of the uh, uh, incoming freshmen to vote for Nancy Pelosi was our, our own Dean Phillips, who ousted incumbent Congressman Eric Paulson in Congressional District 3 here in Minnesota. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who made the big grandstanding uh, move to uh, protest outside of uh, Pelosi's office just after the election. She ended up casting a vote for Nancy Pelosi. Uh, why does why do things like this kind of fizzle out? Do they realize that cooler heads need to prevail? Is Nancy Pelosi really that much of an intimidating figure? I mean, how ultimately did she uh, to get reelected Speaker Matt Mikowiak? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and Seth Moulton, the congressman, the Democratic congressman from Massachusetts, has been one of the young guns kind of going after Pelosi as well, also voted, uh, voted in favor of Pelosi. But I think the challenge is, you know, you can try to uh, elect someone else, but n- number one, they never had an alternative. And that was a real problem. Mm-hmm. No one else that, that they could rally behind. But, but, but secondly, if you, if you come up short, and you see this in legislative, in state legislatures as well, Generally, the opponents of one person who's the speaker all fall in line, and the reason for that is that the, the position of speaker always has power. Uh, you know, not, not just filling out committee chairmanships, filling out positions on committees, uh, ability to have to have help fundraising, help on your election campaigns. They have so many ways. You know, obviously, if you want to move legislation, so if you want to co-sponsor or sponsor legislation that has a chance to pass, if you want to get things done for your district, constituent stuff. There are so many ways. Uh, and if you just want to be a war with the leader of your own party and the legislative body you're serving in, that's not a way to get much done. And so you, can, you just can't vote against Pelosi in that situation for English members. Now, if you're in a really tough district, if you're in District Trump 1, forget how many Democrats throw out something like 12 or 14 that are in so-called Trump districts. Uh, and so Pelosi did have some, some that voted against her. I think there were 15 Democrats total that voted for someone else or voted president. And that took her total to 220, uh, which is significant because it only gave her two votes more than she needed, the two that she needed to have a majority. So actually, the margin was pretty close. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somehow three votes had flipped. Uh, I don't know what would have happened. She wouldn't have been elected speaker, and we would have had chaos. Uh, (laughs) But I don't think that was ever ever in doubt. I think once she knew she had the votes, she probably gave a hall pass to a couple people that needed it. But yeah, you you saw a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing for a lot of people like Alexandria. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez and others, they've got, you know, she, she did enough deals with enough groups. She did a deal with the, uh, the so-called moderate uh, fiscal conservative Democrats on on so-called pay-as-you-go. She, she's, you know, set up this special committee on climate change. So she's done some different things to sort of buy off different constituencies. Uh, and she has a 17-vote margin uh, to deal with, 235 Democrats, 218 votes needed to pass legislation. But it shows there is some there is some you know some doubters uh, in her caucus, and she's going to have a delicate balance between that conservative block in the middle, that more moderate block in the middle, and the far left progressives that really want to go way to the left and really want to drive the agenda. What about the uh, as we heard in the news, uh, the top of the hour here on our broadcast, we're coming up to our third week of the partial shutdown of the federal government. Uh, from what you're able to glean, Matt Makoviak, is there any one side or the other that, from a public relations standpoint or publicity standpoint, is making out better than the other? I don't really see the side winning uh, or benefiting right now. I think I think the Democrats think that uh, you know, Trump owns this, and, and they, don't, they don't feel a need to move in this direction at this point. Um, I do think you have two things that are around the corner here to watch for in terms of timing. Number one, it appears the president will give his state of the union address on January 29th. It is hard to imagine him giving the state of the union while the government is shut down, just from an optics standpoint. Uh, the other thing to watch, perhaps more importantly, and it's a little bit past January 29th, is uh, there was a report just the last 24 hours that the IRS would have a real problem being able to issue refunds if uh, the government shutdown is still going. And I presume that would be really probably late March to you know mid to late April, sure. and that would, would that would matter. So we're talking months from now. I don't think the, the shutdown will still be in place months from now. Um, but, no, I don't think either side's winning. I do think if there's one criticism I'd have of the White House, I don't think the president is trying to move public opinion. He's trying to feed his base, but he really ought to be arguing with substance and with specifics on why a border wall is needed in urban areas. Uh, making the case against the narco-trafficking, the human trafficking, uh, the criminals that are entering the country, uh, 
adding visuals to it, you know, be, be specific. What have we done to, to shore up our border in the last two years? What does he want to do with an additional $5 million? It's not about the money. It's a $4 trillion annual budget. Uh, if you spent $5 billion every day for 365 consecutive days, you wouldn't spend half of the federal budget in sure. one year. Right. It's not about the money. So, um, basically, neither side wants to give in. Neither side wants to let the other side win. And until that dynamic changes uh, and both sides move a little bit to the middle to, to compromise, nothing's going to change. I think we've got a few more weeks ahead of us at least. Yeah, I, I and, and again, the president, uh, I mean, I, I get a sense that when he does say some things, he just basically says whatever springs to his mind in the moment and doesn't give it a whole yeah. lot of thought. So to your point, I don't see this lingering on months or years that he says. I just don't see how, how that's ultimately feasible. Uh, I guess... We talking about the 116th Congress that was sworn in this past week. Uh, so much for taking things slow and being measured, Matt Makoviak. Uh, some of the things the Democrats have brought forth, uh, getting rid of the Electoral College, some impeachment proceedings. Uh, you even had the uh, new congresswoman out of uh, Michigan, uh, Rashida Tlaib, saying, "We're go- I'm going to impeach that blankety-blank. And uh, it's just uh, so much for, for being measured and trying to reach across the aisle and showing that uh, they're— uh, they're, they're going to go. Uh, they're going to go high when the president goes low. Uh, Matt McCoyak. Yeah, and actually, this is one of the, the arguments I made in one of my recent Washington Times columns. You know, is, is for Democrats. You know, it's sort of like be careful what you wish for. Uh, you know, they want to be in power. They want to be able to investigate him, have subpoena power, and pass legislation. Well, they're now the dog that caught the car. They now have a measure of responsibility for the federal government. Sure. And they're going to want to blame Trump for everything, but they're going to have to pass legislation. Uh, it's not clear. Whether now they can, I think now they may have done something where they can pass a debt ceiling increase without actually voting for it. I'm not even sure anything how that works. Uh, but you're going to have this this Mexican trade deal. If the Democrats don't vote for that, that will that will that will uh, fall, and there will be ramifications economically for that. Um, you'll have the spending bill that if they end up reopening government, there'll be a spending bill that'll be needed before September 30th to kick government into the new fiscal year. Uh, and there'll be other things. So, you know, they can, they, you know, you, you can only run against Trump for so long. And ultimately, when you have the majority, you are responsible for passing legislation and moving things along. I do think the Democratic caucus is going to be very unwieldy, very difficult to control, very aggressive. Uh, and my hope is that the public will, you know, look at it and say, this is not the direction we want the country to go and step back in 2020, both at the House and Senate level, but indeed at the White House, White House level as well. Once again, we're joined by uh, Matt McCoviak, our uh, political walk. And I know I haven't good authority. You know, I follow Matt on Twitter, and we can occasionally have a little banter back and forth. And uh, we'll kind of end uh, Matt's appearance with this, kind of have some uh, little fun talking a little sports, particularly NFL. Matt, I know you're a big-time uh, Steelers fan. Uh, I guess the question I have in my mind is, uh, you following the Steelers, how serious is the Antonio Brown uh, trade talks going? Uh, I know uh, as someone who was without, uh, a club was out Le'Veon Bell this past week, uh, fan, or past year, I should say, one of the best running backs in the NFL now, Antonio Brown, arguably arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, what's happening in uh, Pittsburgh, Matt McCoviak? That uh, certainly doesn't seem like a very uh, uh, tenable situation going forward. No, there's just tremendous dysfunction in Pittsburgh, which is really not something the Steelers franchise has had in my lifetime, generally speaking. It's generally been one of the more stable franchises doing things the right way. Right. Um, it appears we have a, a prima donna as receiver. I don't know what is going on there. It's, it's obviously very discouraging. And honestly, the Steelers have limited options because uh, even if they trade Antonio Brown, they, they've got 21 million uh, in the salary cap that will hit them next year. Whether if he's on the, if he's even if he's not on the team, so they're going to lose 21 million in the salary cap. But, but my hope, I guess, my hope is that they try to patch it up and figure out how to work with him at least for another year. But uh, I don't know; it's a very untenable situation. You can't walk out on your team right. and you're playing for a, a, a playoff spot. It's it's ridiculous. It's selfish. It's childish. It's irresponsible, and it's not something the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are used to, and we're pretty fed up with all this BS. Yeah, I, you're exactly right about the model franchise in terms of stability. I mean, three three head coaches in 50, five, zero, 50 years, uh, that, that tells you everything you need to know right there. And in addition to That's that, right. uh, how, how were you able to navigate that last week? Because Pittsburgh was still in contention to win the division and thus get in the playoffs. Uh, were you able to choke it down and row for the Cleveland Browns to, to beat Baltimore, Matt McGoviak? 
Absolutely. Well, you know, for a Steelers fan, rooting, rooting for a Baltimore loss is a very natural thing. To I suppose. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the other thing that's funny about that is just, you know, putting yourself in a position where you have to rely on Cleveland to win is never <laughs> never a good place. Uh, and they got close, and they were driving there at the end, and they blew it. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, was a dis- it was even more painful, given that uh, it appeared possible that in the closing minutes we could somehow still qualify for the playoffs. But not a qualifying for the playoffs is a big deal in Pittsburgh, particularly when you look at this lineup, the fact that Ben turns 38 next year, uh, the window's closing, and there's right. way too much uh, crap going on. they got to get it cleaned up quick. What's, thanks a lot, Matt. We always appreciate your time and contributions on the broadcast. Have yourself a great rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Pleasure. Take care. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson, in for Mitchburg. One more segment coming up this hour. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you. All you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Dennis Prager here inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour, a tour through the land of Israel in December 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Walk the ancient temple steps, sail on the Sea of Galilee, and so many more unforgettable moments. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered if you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel this is your opportunity with expert guides and important lectures at key sites. We'll be together in the comfort and safety of luxurious accommodations the whole time. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. An extraordinary adventure to Israel can be yours. Join the Stand with Israel tour with Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher, happening December 2nd to the 11th. Register today at am1280thepatriot.com. Hello, I'm Mark Stoneman, president of WNAV Audiovisual. WNAV Audiovisual provides equipment and technicians for events of all sizes, from a handful of people to large ballrooms and convention centers as well. We also provide installation services for churches, schools, and corporations. No matter how many people are at your event, WNAV has the technicians and expertise along with the equipment to make each event successful. Audiovisual services include equipment such as sound systems, microphones, projection systems with screens, laptops, draping, lighting, and all the related equipment, and also web streaming services. So your meeting can go beyond the four walls of your space. WNAV Audiovisual, where your meeting is our business. Please contact us at wnav-video.com. Welcome back, AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot where I was. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson, filling in for my friend and colleague Mitch Bird. And here to take your phone calls is 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Wrapping up this first hour, uh, the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance. But fear not, those of you who tune in every Saturday to listen to Mitch, like I do, 
Uh, you can hear him tomorrow for me. He'll be on from 1 to 3 p.m. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in to whenever you tune in to our various uh, Salem Media Group Twin Cities affiliates. I do want to address this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, kerfuffle over a video of her that was leaked. It was some anonymous Twitter account. It was, I think, it, in fact, I think it was literally the the handle on the Twitter account was like anonymous Q seventeen seventy six. Anyways, they found a video of her uh, dancing in high school where she was just doing these goofy dance moves on a roof of some. I don't know if it was their high school or or whatever, and. Uh, I, I don't remember what the uh, the caption was the on the uh, – yeah, here it is. Yeah, Anonymous Q1776 uh, said, Here is America's favorite commie know-it-all acting like the clueless nitwit she is. And it showed her doing this just goofy dance, basically being a teenager. And – I don't know if that was meant to embarrass her, that was meant to shame her, that was meant to be some sort of big scandal that all of a sudden her constituents would have second thoughts about electing her to Congress. But pretty much everybody universally, specifically on the conservative side, looked at it and said, that's supposed to be a smear? That's supposed to be something that's supposed to embarrass her? Or be some big scandal that she's trying to hide? Really? And that's how I first heard about it was a lot of conservatives who I follow on Twitter linking to it and saying, okay, it's kind of goofy. And some even thought it was kind of adorable. And some said, eh, she's a teenager being a teenager. What's, what's, and, and, and particularly the universal line I saw from a lot of the conservative pundits, the conservative blue check marks on Twitter is, I'm more concerned about these kooky ideas that she's making the top marginal tax rate 70% to pray, pay for some green energy initiatives. That's what I'm more concerned about than some dance she did. That that was pretty much the universal line amongst the conservative blue check marks. And yet, there were some media outlets, several media outlets, who were basically gaslighting us. I mean, they they call Trump, you know, they accuse Trump of gaslighting, and yeah, they're right. Trump is a seems to be a professional gaslighter. But here's here's some of the headlines: Reuters. Dance-off. Attempt to shame Ocasio-Cortez with video backfires. Here's from the New York Times. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez dancing video was meant as a smear, but it backfired. The Washington Post. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's dance video is goofy, joyful, and nothing to be ashamed of. Here's CNN. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez responds to dance video haters with more dancing. Now, what that was is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on her own Twitter account said, hey, you know, sorry, uh, sorry, GOP. Um, what, what was it she said? Yeah, I think I hear the GOP thinks women dancing are scandalous. Wait till they find out Congresswomen dance too, and then she proceeds to dance into her office. Uh, let's see. Let me read. Let's find some other headlines. NBC News: House Party Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez claps back with new dance video from the Huffington Post. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez dancing video smear backfires. From the Hill, Ocasio-Cortez on viral dancing video? Well, it's unsurprising the GOP thinks having fun should be disqualifying or illegal. And from Newsweek, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on dancing video reaction. It's unsurprising. Well, that's basically that same quote I just read, so I won't read that again. But here's the thing. It's one big straw, man, because no mainstream conservatives, other than maybe a few anonymous bot accounts, came out and said, that it was some sort of scandal, that it's something that she'd be ashamed of. Oh, here's Newsweek's Twitter feed just now, Newsweek's Twitter feed. Conservatives mock Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for college dancing video. Everyone else thinks it's adorable. So they're framing the narrative right there. Conservatives are a bunch of stuffed shirts who hate it when people have fun. And it's not true! They're gaslighting you. No conservatives mocked this. No one thought it was a scandal. And you know what this is? This, it, well, I shouldn't say definitively this is, but it sure seems like that it's a bunch of straw men being said. You know what a straw man argument is? Is 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 making an is is conveying an argument that the other side didn't make, 
and then knocking down that argument that the other side didn't make. That's all this is. It's a bunch of straw men. No one mocked this. No one thought it was a scandal. In fact, the vast majority of, like I said, of conservative blue check marks said, I'm more scared of her socialist policies than I am of she dancing. Truth be told, I wish she'd just go dance on a building for a living as opposed to being a congresswoman because she does a lot less harm just having fun and dancing, right? So they made this whole they just made this whole big scandal out of it, and then Alexandria Ocasio Cortez gets to play her favorite role, which is the victim. Well, look at these conservatives; they're apparently afraid of a uh, a woman under thirty having power. You know, then she gets to then she gets to throw that chanting point back at something that is not even a thing. And here's why a lot of these news outlets automatically assumed that conservatives were going back into the younger days of this woman and trying to find something embarrassing. Because this is exactly what these leftists do, particularly with these professional athletes, like the quarterback from uh, uh, Buffalo, Josh Allen. You know, just before he was drafted by the Bills, they dug up bold tweets where he said some, used some pretty salty language, some homophobic language. Heisman Trophy winner uh, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, same thing. They dug up bold tweets of his, homophobic tweets from when he was like 14 or 15. Uh, Josh Hader. Milwaukee Brewers pitcher. While he was pitching in the All-Star game, people dug up tweets from when he was a teenager where he used some pretty salty language and maybe some homophobic language. Okay? So this is classic projection. This is what the leftists' blue check marks do. They find it outrageous what young people have done on their Twitter account, thinking that that's, that's the best representation of young people. And because there was such a backlash against that activity... That they said, oh, well, maybe that's not that kind of tactic isn't too popular. Here, maybe let's 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 portray it to where conservatives do the same thing, and let them uh, get their butts kicked on this issue for once in a while. When, as a matter of fact, no conservative mocked this. No conservative thought this was a scandal. No one thought this was outrageous. And as a matter of fact, there were some that even said, "Gosh, I kind of think that's kind of cute. She's making me like her all of a sudden." Okay. So you're saying that the smear backfired, your straw man that you're trying to create, these dragons that you're setting up, these false dragons that you're setting up, and then slaying these false dragons, that's what's backfired on this. So uh, what a time to be alive. Uh, that uh, concludes our number one of the broadcast. Is me, Brad Carlson, in for my friend and colleague Mitch Berg and the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. We'll be back with our number two in mere moments right here, AM 1280, The Patriot. Go nowhere. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home. Hey, could you help me find this file? Oh, yeah, that computer crashed yesterday. It's on the cloud, though. I thought we stopped backing stuff up there. Right, but I think it does it automatically. Oh, what well, says the server is offline? <laughs> Great. Accounts payable, confidential HR files, important spreadsheets and documents. We all have them. But is that data backed up, encrypted, and protected? Don't assume it is. Know it is. Join us Thursday, January 31st for Prepare and Respond, an event that will get you up to speed on cybersecurity, personal protection, and securing your workplace. Prepare and Respond is free for educators, church leaders, and small business owners. Complimentary breakfast will be served. Make a small investment of your time now to ensure you're not scrambling later. Visit am1280thepatriot.com to register and see our panel of experts. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit aigdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no-obligation quote. 1-800-930-2646. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-930-2646. 
1-800-930-2646. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-930-2646. 1-800-930-2646. Every year, a few stocks dominate all the others. I'm not talking about stocks that go up 50% or even 100%. In the last 10 years, the average stock of the year went up 2,265%. Identifying these massive winners can have a more dramatic effect on your portfolio than almost anything else you can do. That's why we're inviting you to our Emergency Summit, the 2019 Trade of the Year. It's free to attend. And one of the top stock pickers in the world, Dr. Mark Skousen, will be announcing his number one play for 2019. And he'll tell you about the three times your money performance guarantee. Join us at 2 p.m. Eastern on January 10th for this amazing opportunity. Log on now at the2019tradeoftheyear.com to sign up for the free emergency summit. You must sign up now at the2019tradeoftheyear.com. Once again, receive the number one pick of the year by registering for our free summit at the2019tradeoftheyear.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.